1: Hello and welcome to the World Wanderers Podcast, your source for travel stories, travel destinations, and travel philosophy. I'm Amanda. I'm Ryan.
0: And we're your hosts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the World Wanderers podcast. We are so excited that you've decided to join us for today's conversation. And today on the podcast, we are very excited to be joined by Jesse Newgarten, who is the CEO and founder of Dollar Flight Club.
1: Yeah, and since this is kind of a very unique time to be someone who likes to travel a lot, we thought it'd be really interesting and illuminating to talk to Jesse about kind of the landscape of flights and airlines going forward. So kind of how things have changed now. And of course, no one's traveling right now. But as we think about traveling down the road, when things get better, uh, maybe in 2021, uh, whenever it may be, What that looks like, and from a trip planning perspective, maybe right now could be a really good time to book some stuff for the future with cheap prices, maybe prices will get uh, cheaper in the future, all that type of things as it relates to trip planning and planning your flights, destinations, prices, timing, um, and even kind of protecting yourself against airlines going bankrupt or whatever it may be when it comes to planning your future travel. So I think you're really going to like this episode and really give you a lot to think about as it comes to planning your next trip in the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Dollar Flight Club is a really interesting company in general. So we really enjoyed having this conversation with Jesse and we think that you will enjoy it as well. Before we dive into the episode, we just wanted to remind you about the World Wanderers Insider. The Insider is our patron-only podcast where we are currently doing a series on digital nomad life. So if you are curious how to make money from home or while working and traveling, and want to learn from people who are doing it right now as we speak, please join us over on Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash the world wanders. We just released a awesome Q&A episode answering all of our patrons' questions about health and wellness, travel insurance, all that good stuff. And we also have a recent episode with our good friend Nathan from Foodie Flashpacker talking all about how he monetized his blog. So once again, if you're interested in The World Wonders Insider, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the world wanders. Otherwise, enjoy this episode. Welcome to the podcast today, Jesse. We're super excited to have you here with us.
2: Hey, thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here
0: yeah, absolutely. We're excited to dive into this conversation, hear more about your business, how you know things have been impacted with the the current global pandemic and all that good stuff. But we wanted to back up a little bit and hear a little bit about how you first got interested in travel. Can you tell us a bit about your travel story?
2: Yeah, of course. Um, yes, yeah, so I was actually uh, born and raised uh, in Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, I don't have my accent anymore, unfortunately. Um, but you know, since then, uh, you know, traveled so much back and forth you know, with, between family here in the U.S. and South Africa, um, and then eventually moving over here um, when I was uh, you know, 13. Um, and, you know, ever since then, uh, you know, really just been addicted to travel. Um, and over the years, um, you know, it really continued to grow on me. Um, and always knew uh, I wanted to do something with my career in travel. Uh, so that's really kind of, you know, where, where it started. You know, so from a very young age, I was, was traveling, you know, 17-hour flights uh, across the Atlantic.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So inspiring to hear. It's uh, it's interesting to hear that you lost your accent. Do you, because some people have like their accents forever. Do you feel like you were just like young enough that when you got to the U.S., you just started talking very much like that? Or, or what? do you know why you lost it? I mean, my sister,
2: who's a couple years younger than me, also lost it. I think it was more being that young, uh, coming from South Africa. It's uh you have a little different of an accent from everyone else in school, so it can be a little embarrassing. I think at times, uh, which it brought you know thinking now it wasn't embarrassing, but you just kind of change your accent slightly when you're reading aloud in class. For example, I remember that, uh, and then over time, I guess it just changes. So,
1: yeah, I remember reading a, 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 it was like an article one time about a study they did at Harvard about accent loss on kids who came to Harvard and it was really depending on like where you were from and like how you felt about where you were from so like the kids from New York never lost their accent like they showed up at Harvard and like talk like they were from New York and um, the kids from the Midwest like all the Ohio kids and people from like Michigan who were thought like that accent people think of as maybe like a bit more like country bumpkin or whatever they lost it in weeks I think Um, like a couple months after when they went back to check people didn't talk like that anymore but they, the kids from New York and kids from Boston still retained their accents
2: yeah, no, no, that makes sense. I mean, I think uh when I talk to some of my family members or you know like my my parents who still have their accent uh, or my grandparents, it definitely it definitely comes back in little spurts, so uh, it's still it 's still there you know
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and so for you. Obviously, it's kind of like, it's an interesting experience where traveling and moving somewhere has become so much part of your life because at a young age, you know, you've uprooted, you've lived in a different country and kind of as you got to more of like an independent age, like, did you start traveling yourself or kind of what was your relationship with travel like at that point?
2: Yeah, no, definitely. After high school, uh, you know, in college, doing, you know, a lot of trips with friends, going over to uh, Nepal uh for a trip there to trek in the Himalayas and really just doing a lot around not having that much money to spend on travel but wanting to go everywhere uh really forced me and taught me or you know it forced myself to learn how to you know find great deals um how to use credit card points uh to essentially travel for free um so that's really where i think it evolved from was wanting to travel everywhere but you know in college you usually don't have that much money to do so uh, so I think that's really one of the, the ways it stemmed, uh, or where it stemmed from as well. Yeah. And
1: then, so what kind of was the, the lead up to coming up with the idea and deciding to start dollar flight club?
2: Yeah, of course. Um, so I, I, as I mentioned before, you know, I always wanted to be in travel and work in travel is a passion of mine. Um, and at the time I was seeing a lot of these companies, you know, uh, pop up that were just in the subscription space and they were doing all things. So Um, obviously there's one called Dollar Shave Club, which has a very similar, uh, name to ours, obviously. Um, and they were obviously being very successful in the subscription space, uh, very different in comparison to their competitors. And I didn't see anyone, you know, that big or any one in the market who was, uh, doing that in the travel space. Um, and at the time I was, you know, everyone in my family and my friends were, you know, they'd always come to me for advice or help. Um, You know, with, uh, you know, finding good deals uh, with the credit card side of things. And, you know, I ended up kind of deciding to bring that subscription side of things into the travel space and just scale what I was doing uh, with helping my friends and family.
0: Yeah. I love the idea of creating a business that, you know, one is in a space that you're passionate about and then two, something you're already doing. I mean, if your friends and family are asking you to help them with this thing, I think it's fairly safe to assume that you find at least a hundred strangers that are doing that. And, you know, in your case, obviously there's been many, many more than that. I'd be curious to know, like when you started Dollar Flight Club, what did it kind of look like and how has it kind of evolved over time?
2: So when it started, it was just a an ugly looking newsletter that, you know, I'm not very good at design. So it was really just a plain newsletter with some designs that I had put together, um, you know, on my own. Uh, and it would just be like an email blast to everyone when I'd find a good deal, uh, that I would, you know, would take myself. Uh, and it was really small scale. I mean, when we started, you know, we had like 10 people on the list, um, you know, and then a hundred and then a thousand and then, Um, it just kind of grew from there, um, with friends and family telling each other and and just referrals and word of mouth. Um, is that's really where it kind of took, um, took hold with, with way more people. Um, and that was really how it grew initially. It was just word of mouth referrals.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting to hear. And I'm curious, you know, for those people who are listening, who are not familiar with dollar flight club, how exactly does it work?
2: Yeah. So it's really simple. Um, you know, Essentially, all you do is you tell us what airport you live close to. So, uh, if you're in New York, you say, Hey, I live by JFK. And then our team um, of deal experts um, are going to send you flight deals that leave that home airport to international and domestic destinations um, that are up to 90% off the standard fare. So, every deal you get is going to be between 60 and 90% off uh, the average fare. Um, And the way you get notified is we send you an email notification, uh, which has Simple uh, description of the deal and how to go ahead and book it, um, and then if you want to, you know, take advantage of the deal, you go ahead and uh, and just book it uh, through our partners.
0: Okay, that's awesome. That seems like a great thing for for travelers as well. And then on your side of things, so for people to become involved, like, are there is it is it free or you said membership based, so people pay mm-hmm. a monthly amount. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so we have um, a few membership options. So it's an app. We have an absolutely free membership uh, that gets you access to just a smaller percentage of the deals and just um, not as many um, personalization tools. So you can sign up and tell us what region uh, or airport you live by, um, and for free we're going to send you a few deals a week. Uh, we do have a premium membership that gets you, uh, you know, more deals uh, from that airport and then uh, a few other features like a premium partner perks where you have access to discounts with some of our travel partners, um, like travel gear, like bags and things like that. And that's $70 a year.
0: Okay. So super reasonable to be a part of that. And if you travel a lot, you know, like we do normally, I feel like that would be something that would definitely be very beneficial to save a bunch of money.
2: Yeah. I mean, our goal is to save people on the international flights is our goal is like, how can we save each person $500 per flight? So that's kind of our, our goal. And, uh, whenever we send out a deal, um, so we just try to keep it simple and really our goal is how do we save people money on flights? Uh, so yeah. And when it comes
1: to deals, obviously, you know, don't have to reveal your secrets or anything like that, but does a lot of it come down to like airlines and timing. And so like, as an individual being like flexible about time or kind of what are the, the main factors that like, you know, people, I think certain people, you know, obviously know about sometimes there's like discounts and stuff, but hearing the like amount of some of those, those deals is pretty extraordinary. Like what are kind of some of the factors that contribute to those deals being available?
2: Yeah. So I think that the main one uh, is flexibility on what airport you fly into and what airport you fly out of. Uh, so for example, uh, you know, if you live in a city uh, like LA or New York uh, there's, there's three different airports in that area that you can fly out of. So, you know, a lot of people will just look at from the main airport to the destination they're looking to go. But it could actually be, you know, $400, $500 cheaper to just fly out from an airport that's within an hour drive uh, from, you know, to another airport in that city. Um, So just being flexible on that end. Um, And then also another thing that we talk about is being flexible with where you fly into, so the destination. So, you know, for example, you know, some big cities in Europe that have more than one airport, uh, especially London as an example. Uh, where you might just be looking to London Gatwick um, when London Heathrow could you know, be significantly cheaper. Um, and that's kind of one of the, the main ways you know, we talk about uh, just being flexible. Uh, the other one is uh, really being cognizant of you know, your destination in terms of if you want to go to Paris, uh, for example, but there's a deal to London uh, that was, you know, five hundred dollars cheaper uh, than direct to um, direct to London. Uh, you can just travel into that first destination, uh, and then you can book a really cheap flight on a budget airline uh, to take you to your final destination, and you're going to save a lot of money there. So those are just a few of the tips that we kind of preach in our uh, in, in our deals in our deal emails.
0: Yeah, those are awesome tips. So thanks for sharing those because I think that like, I guess you could maybe say like flight hacking or saving money on flights. I think is something that a lot of people obviously want to do because that can often be the biggest expense that you have with your trip. But sometimes it just feels like, you know, it takes so much time and effort to find the affordable flights that I think for many people, they're like, I'll just pay for it. Like it's not worth it. But I love the idea of, you know, being able to pay either nothing or 70 bucks a year and then having access to, all these different options, and then looking at how you can be a bit more flexible with your trip to save a bunch of money.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, uh, yeah, it's really just all about being flexible um, if you can. Uh, you know, some people really can't. Um, it doesn't work as well for them, and you know, it'd be, it's just going to be a little harder to find deals. But it's really just about taking time to look nowhere to look, um, and just waiting for that, that deal to pop up, um, and then booking it, you know, when it's available because. Uh, these, these fair change really, really fast. Uh, sometimes, I mean, you know, on average, I think, uh, you know, specific routes, uh, the fare changes up to 150 times a day, uh, fluctuates 150 times a day. So, you know, you can see how that, you know, can impact things uh, significantly.
1: Yeah. It's kind of funny. I feel like airplane airlines are one of those things in society where, I actually think that like really dynamic pricing is cool and it should be more of a feature of other places. But like, it's one of those things that like if other people tried to do what airplane uh, airlines do in terms of pricing, people would be outraged. You know, like if you were like, "Hey, I was at the store this morning and I looked at like." <laughs> I don't know, yeah. cereal. And then it come back that afternoon and cereal is like two times more expensive just while I'm in the aisle. And like a new guy comes in and the prices all drop. And you're like, people would be furious if they, if they did that other places. But airlines kind of just like scoop by with it. Um, but it's always fascinating to look at. Like I know for us sometimes, when well, I remember really being struck by one time we were in Asia, I think we were in Kuala Lumpur. And we mm-hmm. found a flight, we were trying to go to Japan and there was flights that were like connected through Japan to go to other places that were way cheaper than flights to Japan. And all these like weird things you find as you travel more like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the systems, uh, these dynamic pricing systems that airlines have are, they're just so complex. Um, and that's why... You know, it just when you're looking for deals, it just you just have to be patient and take time and just keep looking because they're so different and can can very easily be you know a few hundred dollars difference. You know, it, just looking at a different site, um, and it just comes down to that supply um, and demand with the dynamic pricing. The, re- the one thing I do like about that is it often because it's so complex, it'll pop out some mistake fares, uh, which are really good for us as travelers, uh, like when. I think it was three or four months ago when Japan airlines had a mistake fare. It was $120 maybe for a round trip flight in their first class suite, uh, which I think probably goes for five to $10,000. And it was available for a few hours where you could book that same trip for like $120. Um, And that just happens because of these mistake fares and how complex these systems are that, you know, mistakes happen because there's not much human, um, you know, human curation uh and um on these automations so that's one good thing
0: yeah i feel like i heard that story at some point and i was like oh my gosh i wish i would have been watching that flight so it's a good reminder of why you should watch flights and something i'm curious about is like if people are planning trips and they know where they want to go you know many months out or they have some idea of where they want to go in the future like how far in advance do you kind of I guess, advise for people to be watching the flights? Like, are there trends that you notice and patterns with the ways that flights drop? Is it like they never drop, you know, two weeks out, but they'll always drop three months out or anything like that?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, there's a few things that we talk about, um, in terms of what, when, when to book, uh, what we do is, you know, based on our data, you know, the best window to book is three months to four months in advance. Uh, because obviously, I mean, you know, these fares as the date gets closer, they always go up. You know, we think on our end in terms of long term, long haul international flights, it's never going to work out booking last minute or very rarely, you know, 99% of the time it's not going to work. So never wait until the last chance. Um, so yeah, three to four months out is kind of the best time to book. Um, and then if you're booking, on the weekend, it can be up to 60% cheaper in comparison to if you're booking on a Thursday or Friday, uh, which is, you know, one of the most expensive days to book flights, you know, based on the data that we have. And I think it just comes down to, you know, more people on Thursday or Friday, or maybe like at work and there you know, more people are searching for flights and booking. So again, that just comes back to that supply and demand on these dynamic pricing models we were talking about earlier.
0: Yeah, that's good to know and just good for people who are looking to travel to keep in mind in terms of when they're doing like their flight watching and signing up for for price alerts and stuff like that. And I mean, being in the travel industry, I feel like, you know, all of us have really felt the impacts of, you know, the coronavirus and the global pandemic. And I'm, I'm curious like from running a business that's really dependent on, you know, flights and travel and stuff like that, what have been some of the things that you've noticed? happening over in the last couple months?
2: Yeah, so uh, I mean, it's a good question. I think when travel restrictions initially went into place, uh, I think, you know, the first couple weeks of March, um, or maybe March, yeah, first couple weeks of March, you know, there wasn't a significant drop in everything on our end. So traffic, uh, bookings, everything was down, you know, 90, 95%. Uh, But I think after everyone settled down um, and settled in at home, um, you know, traffic and interest in travel actually started to pick up. Um, and what we've seen over the last month, um, through April and, and through May, is actually more interest in travel and our service than we did before, um, which before uh, uh, kind of the shutdowns happened. And I think it just comes back to the fact that people are, you know, still really excited about traveling, um, and, you know, still have these bucket list destinations that they want to get to. Um, and they're stuck at home, uh, and they're just, you know, thinking about getting out and doing these things. Um, so we're actually seeing a big uptick in in just signups on our service and also in bookings, um, an interest in destinations, specifically domestic. Um, and then in, um, Mexico, uh, South America, and um, in the Car- in the Caribbean, uh, because I think you know that's where people are are just currently looking. Uh, I know when we talk about when people are looking, uh, you know, obviously people aren't really booking for the summer; they're looking between uh, late September and the end of 2020. Uh, that's where a majority of the bookings are happening, and most of the interest is happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is quite quite interesting to think about i know just on like a personal level for us at this time we were supposed to be well so we were living in panama and then we were planning a trip to europe and so around this time we were hoping to be in romania um, so it's kind of weird now for us like we're in canada we're we normally live nomadic and we're like i don't know when we're going to be you know allowed to go back to a lot of these countries or stuff so it's kind of hard to to plan, but you were saying you kind of noticed a trend when it comes to booking of people kind of feeling a bit more, um, certainty in terms of like being able to put money down and buy travel flights and things later in the year.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think it also comes down to the airlines. Um, you know, they have, they have a lot of policies in place now, uh, that are free cancellation, free changes for any deals or any flights that you book. Um, I think, um, most of them are, if you book it before the 30th of this month and then some have pushed that back to the 30th of June, if you book any flights, but before then, uh, you can cancel them and get a travel voucher or change them for free at a later date. So it's just, you know, giving people more of a reason to book these flights now because there's some great deals available. And, and, you know, it's really a risk-free booking because uh, you can always get uh, you know that money back as a travel voucher that you can use later, or you can change it if your know, travel situation doesn't um, doesn't change. Uh, and it seems like things are starting to open up. I mean, I know you know Iceland and and the UK and then Greece. You know, seem like they're the three places that have at least announced. You know, as far as I've seen in the past couple of days, you know, some type of first guidelines for 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 reopening to international tourism so it's definitely looking good uh but it just comes down to i think uh you know how all the different countries uh play together um and i'm assuming some will open and then some will stay closed uh for, for much longer yeah yeah it's interesting because like
1: i mean some countries are so reliant on that international tourism and it's hard to imagine like you know how long they could hold off opening up for but it is also interesting like for example here in Canada where they've implemented this um 14-day mandatory quarantine for everyone coming into the country and I don't know if that's the type of thing that's going to stay or go but it's I guess one of the uncertainties that we live with as travelers one thing I'm kind of curious about um kind of when it, when it comes to your opinion, and I was just doing a bit of research and I was reading a bit of a, a Reddit AMA that you did, was when it comes to kind of thinking about deals um, and flights even further in the future and how this might be a good time to kind of think maybe a little bit longer term than you normally would in booking stuff just to find some of those deals. Do you think you could talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so uh, we did a, we actually did a report recently Uh, or a study where we took a lot of data from past airline industry downturns. So uh, if you think like after 9-11, obviously there was a big downturn in air travel and then um, kind of directly following uh, the Great Recession in 2008. Uh, And we took some data there um, and, you know, what we found is over the next year uh airfare prices are going to be roughly 35% cheaper if you book them now uh than uh they were before so in December of 2019 and after that you know in the longer term airfare prices are going to increase uh significantly so i think it was 20 something percent above uh 2019 levels so you know what we're seeing is right now is the best time to book flights um, for future travel because they're so, so cheap in comparison to before. Uh, but as a uh, travel demand rebounds, uh, the prices are going to really jump up. Uh, so we're telling people, if you see a deal, you should book it now. Uh, cause prices are as cheap as you're going to see them over the next five years.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of our like gut reaction to stuff like this is like, oh, a lot less people are going to be traveling. It's going to be a lot cheaper for a long time, but maybe don't think about the fact that, like, you know, maybe certain airlines will go out of business. Maybe there'll be less competition and less supply, so that when demand does come roaring back, um, prices go up at the same time. So I think that's a really good, um, good thing to keep thinking about. One thing I think a lot of people are thinking about when it comes to booking flights and travel is. Um, just kind of the, a bit of the uncertainty, right? Like, oh, if I book flights to X country in December, and then there's a new wave of coronavirus, and I can't travel there, and maybe the airline is struggling financially. Um, I, I know, so travel insurance and flight cancellation, it can be really important for that. Could you talk a bit about how people can kind of protect themselves by using insurance for, for kind of being able to take advantage of deals without putting themselves at risk of losing a bunch of money?
2: Yeah. So are you talking about like, for example, if like an airline goes out of business. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, a majority, uh, most of the time, you know, if you book on, uh, kind of the major air- airline carriers, uh, if you need to change your flight, uh, it's going to be free to do that. Especially if you book it kind of in, in the next couple months. Um, if the airline goes out of business, um, it really depends on the insurance carrier that you have. Uh, you know, some of them are, are, are geared and there's some popping up that are geared towards protecting travelers. Um, if their flight is canceled or, no, not if their flight is canceled, but if the airline goes out of business as an example, um, not all of these carriers do do that. Uh, so I think it's important to have travel insurance, obviously now more than ever, not only for the flight, but also just being in an international country. Uh, some uh, for example, like some carriers here in the U S Uh, Just general carriers for insurance, you know, they don't cover you in different countries. And I mean, now more than ever, if you get sick in a different country, you're going to want to have some type of travel insurance, Um, you know, like a World Nomads, for example, or a a safety wing or just a few, you know, that I've used. Um, But, you know, we recommend, you know, anyone who's booking now uh, to get travel insurance and just make sure you read the terms and conditions uh, clearly, uh, because it's going to come and become very important, obviously. Um, you know, when you're traveling uh, later this year or next year, especially during these times.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, just reiterating the like, read the terms and conditions I haven't personally experienced this, but I've just heard a couple of different stories around people who thought they were covered for things. And then it turns out they weren't because of the pandemic and because of, you know, various other other different kind of small lettering, small print stuff. So I think it is good to just make sure that you know like what exactly you are getting covered for and not just assuming that your travel insurance covers it. Because, yeah, I, I feel like it's like a worse nightmare to book a trip and then maybe have the airline go bankrupt and not be able to get your money back and then find out that your insurance doesn't cover it or not be able to take the trip or something like that. That's just one of those things that makes... It takes away the enjoyment of travel, right? Like as travelers, we love to go adventure, but those logistical things can just become like such a nightmare.
3: 18 plus. No, I, I agree. Um,
2: I think that's also one reason um, why travel take a little bit to kind of rebound uh, back to what it was, you know, at the end of 2019. Just because I, I don't think travel travel is going to be very different, um, just in, in a lot of ways, obviously. Um, and it's just I think it's going to be a little more stressful um, because there's a lot of unknowns and just more uncertainty around, you know, what happens if I go to a country and then, you know, there's an outbreak or something like that. Um, and you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, because you know, our, our team, we're actually a remote company dollar flight club is, so everyone works remotely and, you know, can travel as much as they want and work from wherever. So, um, my fianc or my wife and I actually just, uh, you know, we were actually traveling full time, uh, for the last like four or five months and we had the rest of the year planned out as well. Um, but that's all, you know, had to be canceled for now, uh, which is a bummer. Uh, but you know, we decided to cancel it, um, you know, through the rest of the year and maybe kind of revisit next year. Cause it's just so un- uncertain, like how these things, um, are going to play out and what travel will actually be like, you know, will you still be able to experience the same things in these different countries? Um, you know, will you have to have a 14 day quarantine when you get to places. So, um, <coughs> definitely going to be interesting to see how it, it works out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. A lot of uncertainty. I think kind of what you said earlier, about like some countries, I feel like it might be one of those things too, where some countries really push to get back to the the way they were before and others that hold on to a lot of these um, policies for much longer than people might expect. I mean, typically when you have things like, you know, after 9-11 for stuff, you know, Security at the airport never went back to the way it was before. I'm imagining there'll be certain health stuff that never goes back to the way it was before after this. Um, And so Jesse, something I was curious about, you mentioned a little bit earlier about how you guys have noticed a lot of um, trends when it comes to people looking at flights, um, at least from the States domestically to Mexico to Latin America and and the Caribbean. Have you noticed anything when it comes to um, trends with deals to locations that maybe typically are more expensive? But if you're looking for like travel the next year, there's been more deals to any regions um, that have kind of shifted a bit since this has
2: started? Yeah, definitely. So uh, we've actually seen in general, when we talk about uh, like the U.S. or Canada to uh, Europe, you know, there are are some cities uh, like the main ones like uh, London. Or Rome, um, or Barcelona, or Amsterdam, where you see deals occasionally in the two hundreds or three hundred dollars round trip, um, which is an amazing deal, and you see that you know occasionally to these these, these main hubs. Uh, but since uh, in the last couple months, uh, you know, we've actually been seeing similar prices to cities across Europe that you would never see those to, um, and you know, the best deal you could get there was maybe you know, 500 or $600 round trip. So uh, what we're seeing is just much more availability to more cities in Europe from the U.S. and Canada. So thinking about places like Greece, um, you know, Athens has historically been an extremely expensive and hard place to get to. Um, just because in the summer, literally everyone wants to go to Greece and go hang out on Mykonos or those islands down there. So it's always been really expensive, but now we're seeing, we've seen deals there just, you know, for a couple hundred dollars round trip from, from the U S um, or even countries like Croatia, uh, which have been historically harder and more expensive to get to. Um, so that's like definitely one big trend that we're following. And, um, and, and it's just great for, for travelers, at least now who, who are willing to book flights for later this year or, or, or next. So yeah,
1: yeah, definitely even, you know, talking having I mean, this conversation, I think is making us think more about oh, maybe it'd be good for us to think a bit further ahead than normal and start planning what we want to do next year, where we want to go. And we definitely were talking. Yeah, we were talking the other day. <laughs> we're like, ah, it'd be so cool to like spend a month on a Greek island. Um, we need to do that sometime.
0: Yeah, we yeah, went there like nine, nine years ago. Yeah, like nine years ago and I've been dreaming about going back to Greece. So it definitely uh, makes me feel excited that there's deals in those types of places. So yeah, normally we don't plan like that far in advance, but this is definitely making me think that if we do want to travel maybe at the end of 2020 or early 2021, that maybe we should be looking now while things are affordable and that type of thing. Yeah, no, definitely.
2: I mean, um, usually the most like if you're going if you're going to explore Europe for example usually the most expensive flight is just getting to Europe because when you're traveling within Europe it can be very cheap um, you know uh, like some of the budget airlines you could find a flight from like London to to Athens for you know fifty bucks or thirty bucks or something crazy um, so definitely now if like you know people are looking to go to Europe at the end of the year or for next year uh, you know now's the time to book just that flight to to get you you know across the ocean over there. Um, because it's going to be cheaper than ever. Uh, and yeah, I agree On with Greece. Uh, you guys should definitely go back. Uh, I was, I was supposed to be there for the month of August uh, for like weeks on uh, the island of Paros. We had a place booked in flights, but, uh, maybe we'll do that next summer. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. Um, I was actually going to ask about that. Where were you guys you, you mentioned how you're you've been traveling full time. Where were you guys when kind of all this started to kick off and kind of when you decided to, to go back home?
2: Um, yeah, so we were actually in, well, yeah, bef- we started off in, in Bali, um, in, uh, Indonesia and then we were in Costa Rica when everything started, you know, when you, there's kind of the, the stories of, Hey, this is spreading everywhere. Um, And that was until the end of uh, February. But, you know, we didn't have a home base to go to, but we actually were getting married in uh, March, early March. So March 7th um, in uh, New Mexico at a ski resort there. So that's where we were for a month, kind of right before everything got shut down. And thankfully, somehow we were able to get our wedding in uh, right before all the restrictions went into place and no one at the wedding got Um, so we're in costa rica and then right before it happened. Um, and then we're in new mexico. So
0: Wow. Yeah, i'm glad that you guys were able to have your wedding before all the craziness happens We have you know friends who were supposed to begin getting married this summer and they've postponed till next year Just because of the uncertainty and stuff like that So seems like you must have been like one of the last days that people were, you know, kind of able to have that type of celebration
2: No, I I think so. Um, yeah, we got very lucky (laughs)
0: Yeah, absolutely. We were in Panama when everything kind of hit. So we were pretty close to you guys in, in Costa Rica and things happened super fast. Once they happened, it was like this sort of slow trickle in the news until it was like, bam, <laughs> pandemic.
2: I know. Yeah, it was crazy. And then um, for so- we still went on our we still went on our honeymoon because we left the day after our wedding when, you know, just things were still like, it started to look bad. And we we're just like, Oh, should we cancel this? What, what should we do? Um, but we still went uh, cause there weren't any mandatory shutdowns and you know, we did, there wasn't like, there's was general panic, I think, but we still went and we went to Finland. Um, and then we kind of got stuck over there for a little bit. Um, and we, only, we ended up being there for like a month and a few weeks uh, until we came back. Felt like it was safe to travel, uh, so it was definitely an interesting experience getting back. It's probably the most interesting part of the um, <laughs> the end of the honeymoon there. So,
1: yeah, yeah, there must have been because I think if I remember correctly, it was only a few days after that, in like March twelfth or March fifteenth or something like that, when the U.S. passed those new rules, and there was kind of like this panic um, return from Europe to a ton of people, where you could see photos of like airports packed and immigration packed um what were you guys thinking at that time while you were in finland and like kind of seeing this stuff on social media
2: yeah i mean i think for like everyone who was like out of the country at that point uh i think well for us we were, we we thought it would be more risky to travel back at that point to the us just because of kind of the people were very you know there's just like the airports were packed the planes were packed with people Um, I think, you know, once that announcement was made, I think, as you mentioned the 15th or 16th, um, and we saw the lines at uh, like JFK or at Chicago where we would fly through and it was just like, people were packed into the, um, Like uh, again, through customs and it just seemed like that was a very unsafe place to be. So we just hung out for a little longer. And when we did end up flying back, um, you know, it was a very cheap flight. Um, and it was empty. I mean, I think there's like 10 people on a plane that could fit, you know, 320 people. So it was much safer. Um, we felt more comfortable doing that and it was definitely much easier to travel, uh, in comparison. So.
0: Yeah, for sure. Did you guys end up taking like a humanitarian flight home or did you guys just, were you able to get like a, you know, a flight that was flying between Finland and the U.S.?
2: Um, yeah, we flew, uh, just on Delta. Uh, our flight got canceled, I think once and they just rebooked us on, on the next one, um, but there's still flights flying and, and we were lucky, uh, you know, that we were in a country that we could do that. Um, cause yeah, it could, I know there are some people who got stuck in, in countries like in South America and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, we we were, we were I guess we were lucky there, so.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, no, for sure. And yeah, it is interesting. Like when we decided to come back home to Canada from Panama, we really did consider like the fact that staying in Panama would probably mean that we had like way less risk of getting the virus and that actually like traveling home was gonna probably put us in like the most risk of getting the virus. And you know, thankfully, we were both fine because we had to do our. 14-day quarantine once we got back to Canada. And um, we we had no, no health challenges at all, thankfully. But yeah, I mean, we like... Panama Airport was crazy because they were shutting down. The US, we flew through Houston. It was pretty chill. There was like nobody in international customs yeah. at that airport. But then we flew into Calgary. And at that point, Canada hadn't completely closed their borders yet, but they had limited the airports that could accept international flights. Mm-hmm. And we were going into one that did. So we had like, we we're in a crazy line, like nobody's distanced. Most people aren't wearing masks and stuff because yeah. that's not really a big part of our culture. And we were just like, oh man, like if we're going to get the virus, it's here for sure.
2: No, for sure. Um, yeah, it was funny. Like my my wife and I, before our wedding, you know, we were just so busy with and just weren't really thinking about what was going on anywhere else in the world, just trying to make sure the wedding happened properly. So we didn't think about like masks or even anything that was going on. And I think the best wedding gift we got was from my best man. He got us two masks and some Clorox wipes for our
3: trip. I was like,
2: I don't know why. And then obviously it just saved the day. So
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's kind of funny that we're, you know, living in a time where like Clorox wipes or Lysol wipes and masks are these like coveted <laughs> belongings to possess. <laughs>
2: Yeah.
0: So, but I'm glad you guys were able to have your wedding and take your honeymoon. And I mean, you guys got an interesting story out of it now, knowing that you're both safe and healthy and stuff like that. So that's good.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that we've been asking guests who are coming on the show around this time, especially, you know, travelers, since we can't travel right now, what are some of the things that you've been doing to kind of keep yourself busy and occupied while in quarantine outside of working, of course?
2: Um Yeah. Well, well for me, uh, obviously working out and running as much as I can. Um, you know, that's something that just kind of keeps me sane, I think. Um, so that's the main thing I've been doing, um, on my end. Yeah.
0: Nice. Awesome. That's great. That's definitely better than, uh, (laughs) watching Netflix and drinking beer. (laughs)
2: Exactly. Um, I don't know. I just, that's really kind of what my schedule is, is, is I wake up and I work out and I run and then I work, um, and just try and relax and not watch too much Netflix. Uh, I feel like I probably should be doing more. Um, but I think that's kind of what, what keeps me saying. And I think staying in the same routine, uh, that I had initially before, obviously not able to travel and be in these different places, but doing a really similar situation my routine, um, I think is kind of what has worked, worked for me. Um, because it's very easy to, um, you know, get distracted, um, or just kind of, you know, you know, just watch TV or, or not do what you're doing. Um, so that's what I've been able to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely something we've been thinking about too, is like, even though we're not in, you know, Panama where we've been living for a couple months and we can't explore on the weekends and stuff like that. Just trying to stay in like a similar routine that we had before has been really helpful to, I guess, kind of make things feel a little bit more normal. And it is kind of weird like when you already work from home because other than the travel aspect, like life's really not that different for us. I guess the social aspect too has been like, you know, we can't see our friends and can't really see family members and stuff like that. But you know, other than that, like day to day, it's not like that different. So we've been trying to remind ourselves of that also.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. It's like the same for me. Cause you know, I work from home as well or, or from, you know, the only difference is that, you know, I, I don't go to coffee shops anymore, which is where you know I would work from if I wasn't at home. So, um, it's very similar situation to you guys. It sounds like so. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Jesse. It's been so awesome chatting with you. If people want to learn more about you and Dollar Flight Club, where can they go to find that?
2: Um, yeah, they can go to dollarflightclub.com uh, dot com, um, and they can you know we have a free membership if they want to sign up um, and uh, you know get alerted for for cheap flights uh, for the end of this year, early next. Um, so yeah, dollarflightclub.com uh, dot com, and you can try it for free. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jesse.
1: To find more information, relevant links, and photos talked about in this week's episode, check out theworldwanders.com.
0: If you have a question, comment, or feedback, send us an email at infotheworldwanders.com. At Join our community on Facebook at the World Wanders or on Twitter at WorldWanders One. As always, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Bye.
3: plus.